Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. How many of you have ever been in a situation that was so desperate. I mean, the world was turned upside down in your world. It was so desperate, you had no clue how in the world you're going to get out of this situation. It might have been a health issue, it might have been a financial issue, may have been a family issue, may have been a work situation. Who knows? I mean, I it could be any number of things, not even the ones that I'm limited to. You, you, were, you were in a point of desperation. And you cried out to God and said, God, help me. How many, of you, how many of you have been there? I've been there. A lot of us have been there. But those of you who have not raised your hand, you will be there. Because that is a common human experience. Do you understand what I'm saying? You will be there because the, the reality is, is, isn't it true that we go there not just one time, but we will be there several times in our lifetimes, are we not? And... You will cry out to God to get you through that problem, through that difficulty, through that, through that situation that you're facing. Now here you are, far removed from what happened. You got through it, didn't you? The question this morning is, is did you thank God? Did you thank God? See, this is the issue that's going to come out of this passage. It has to do with an attitude of gratitude. See, Jesus, as we're, you know, we're on this earth walk, we're, we're going through the Gospel of Luke, we're looking at the teaching of Jesus Christ, and Luke is really laying down for us in his Gospel some, it's not just a mishmash of thoughts, they really are conveying a, a purpose here, and he, he's been trying to teach to the disciples and showing them the reality of what they need to be like. So in, in, in the first ten verses, remember, he, he's dealing with, with the whole issue of how we're to our, our obligations to each other and our obligations towards God. And now right after he talks about our obligations as servants towards God, he, he, he kind of interjects this story about ten lepers. Well, let's read it together and you'll see what I'm talking about because he's got a purpose here. And ultimately, the purpose talks about how we should be as believers. Look with me. We're looking at verse 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went through Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that, they, that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? 
And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Folks, what we're going to see here today is about the importance of thanksgiving, the importance of gratitude, responding to God in gratitude. So here's the thing you've got to understand. When Jesus comes into your life, when Jesus interacts into your life, something in your life is going to change in such a way that now you're going to be the type of person who will respond to him with thanksgiving. So remember like when Brad, Brad mentioned that song that we sang, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. He mentioned to you that came from Job and that Job lost everything except his wife and he was still able to say to God, what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives and takes away. He was still able to give thanks to God and to praise God even in the midst of his loss. Now some of us here are like, that's just too weird, George. How can you do that? How can you respond with gratitude? Well, we're going to see some things out of this passage, I think, that are going to help us to understand that. Here's what I want you to see. We're going to, we're going to look at this passage and look at it in several different sections here. First of all, we're going to see the men. We're going to see the ten lepers. I'm assuming they're men. We're going to see the healing. We're going to see what God does through the healing. Then we're going to see the gratitude that's expressed. And then we're going to see the astonishment. Jesus' astonishment. So let's notice, first of all, the men. The first thing I want you to notice about these men, we notice it in verses... 11 through 13, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's somewhere between the border of Galilee and Samaria. So he's to the north of Jerusalem. To the north of Jerusalem is Samaria. And then above that is the area called Galilee. And he's somewhere near the border of Samaria and Galilee. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And as he comes to a village, ten guys, ten lepers are off in a distance, and they see him, and they cry out to him, and say, Jesus, heal us. Have mercy on us. I think the key thing there is, is if you look at that, is that they're asking him for mercy. Now, why would they be asking for that? Here's the first point I want you to see. Their situation was desperate. They're wanting mercy. Usually when, when you think of somebody crying out for mercy... It's like that something terrible is about to happen to them and they want it to stop. You know what, you know what I mean? Usually when you're, you're about to have some kind of a terrible experience in your life, somebody's about to do something to you, 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 often, are, you often will hear the term that they pled for mercy. Like when you go to the judge and you know that you're about to be sentenced, usually the guy who's about to be sentenced will make a statement and in the statement he's basically asking the judge for what? Mercy. For leniency. This is the type of thing that's happening here. Because these guys were desperate. Now what do you mean they're desperate? Well, we've talked about lepers before. Let me kind of remind you about what that is. Leprosy today is Hansen's disease. And, and that's not necessarily what the biblical thing is talking about here. Hansen's disease today, we have leper colonies, is, is something where your nerves are deadened. And basically you wear off body parts. Your nerves cease to function. And so, like, if you touch a hot pan, you don't feel it. And you burn yourself, infection comes in, and digits are removed, or parts of your body are removed because of infection. That's Hansen's disease. So it ends up deforming the person. 
In the Bible, though, leprosy was a little bit more broader. It could mean Hansen's disease, but it could also mean a rash. Like some of you folks, how many of you ever had a rash? That would be considered leprosy. You understand? Any kind of skin disorder would be considered leprosy. And according to the law, you had to be separated from the rest of the what? The rest of the congregation, which meant the people of God, which meant the Israelites, from the community, and you had to be in isolation until you were healed. And then once you were healed, you then had to go to the priest, offer the whatever sacrifices, and have him inspect whatever it is that you have to make sure that you're okay, and he would pronounce you healed. But until then, you lived in isolation. And so some of these folks are living by themselves, separated from the community. So it's not any, it's not any wonder in isolation that they group up, and so we see ten of them here, because their situation is desperate. So here's what it would be like to be a leper. You cannot have contact with anybody, even your own family. You cannot have contact with anybody, even your own family. If you're walking down the street, let's say I'm walking down the street, I'm the leper. And as I get to a certain distance, they even had it prescribed what the distance should be. As I get to a certain distance, and there comes Brad. I would have to yell out to Brad, Unclean! Unclean! I would have to announce myself as being unclean. Stay away from me. And Brad would be like, Woo! And he'd take off the other way. Did you know what I'm saying? I mean, literally, you'd be like, Oh, I don't want to be near that. Their situation was desperate. Add to that, listen to this, there's at least one of them that's among them that's a Samaritan. So he's got a double whammy. He's not only a leper, but he's a half-breed. Totally rejected by the people of God. And as far as the Jews concerned, not worthy of being helped. Not worthy of being helped. Now you've got to remember something now. Remember, you're living, these folks are living in a culture and in a mindset that when people are afflicted and they're, and they're going through problems, that they are doing so because they're facing the judgment of God. So in the mindset of the community, these lepers are lepers because of what? They must have done something wrong in their life. And therefore they're facing the, the judgment of God. And so their situation was de- desperate. So here's what I want you to notice. They do something very interesting. And here's the next point I want you to see. They took a chance by approaching Jesus. I mean, they were supposed to live in isolation. And you see them, though, they're, they're, they're taking a chance because obviously they must have heard about Jesus. I mean, who hasn't heard about Jesus at this point? Word of Jesus probably would have gotten about, even the lepers would have heard about him. And so they obviously heard about Jesus, and, 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 and they take a chance because in their mind they're assuming something. They've come to some sort of conclusion that Jesus is approachable. But they still keep their distance because they're supposed to. And they cry out to him. They're taking a chance. Jesus, have mercy on us. They're they're appealing to something about God that they think is there that's true. And it is true. He is approachable. Look, folks, when you and I, I mentioned it earlier, how many of us have ever cried out in desperation to God? Listen to me. Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Because something inside of you has a concept and an understanding 
that there's something in the character of God that you can go to Him? Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, even if, listen to me, have you noticed this? Let's say that you feel, and some of you maybe feel this way here today. Let's say you feel totally rejected by God because of something you've done. Oh, He could never love me because I've done this or this, that, or another. Even in the midst of that, have you noticed that you still cry out to Him in time to time? Because I think there's something internally wired in us that understands the approachability and the compassion of our God. And because we, we, we appeal to that when we cry out to Him for mercy, when we cry out to Him for help. And so these are the men. We see here their situation is different and they took a chance. And so I want you to notice the healing. It's interesting. One of the things I want to point out to you, it's not, not in your notes there, but it's just a side note here. Jesus never heals the same way every time. Because in Luke, we have seen him heal another leper. And with Luke, the other leper that he healed, he touched him. Remember that? When he healed the other leper, he touched him. With these ten lepers, he does something completely different. Because Jesus is wanting to show us something here. So what does that mean for you and I? Well, here's the thing. God doesn't act the same way in every situation with every person. God doesn't act the same way in every situation with every person. So you hear these great, wonderful testimonies. Well, you know, I did this, and God provided in this way, and and because He provided in this way, oh, praise the Lord. And so now you're thinking, okay, that's how God's going to do it for me. And He doesn't do it that way. Why? Because He doesn't act the same way in every situation. He doesn't provide the same answers, or the same methodology to bring about the same answer. Do Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't do that. And especially here, because he's going to do something that's very interesting. Notice with me. Let's read it together real quick here. Look at verse 14. It's just one verse. Two things come out of this verse that show us about what Jesus is doing here. So, when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. So it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Okay, what's going on here? Remember what I told you a leper had to do. If a leper was cleansed, he had to go and show himself to the priest at the temple to be examined, to be pronounced healed. Now, you would only go if you thought you were healed. So what's Jesus doing here? Because they're not healed yet. There they are in whatever situation they're in, whatever whatever problem they have, and it might be pretty desperate, and... He's telling them to go show themselves to the priests like they're already healed? What's going on here? Well, here's the first point. Obedience is the test of faith. He's telling them to do something as if it's going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's telling them to do something as if it's going to happen. The issue is their faith. Do they really believe that Jesus can heal them? Do they really believe that Jesus can do what he says he's going to do? Do they really believe that Jesus has the power to do it? And so obedience, doing what Jesus says, is a test of faith. Do I really believe what he says? And see, this is what Jesus is trying to get at. Obedience is a test of faith. Are you going to act on what I said? Because that reveals where your faith is. 
Now I want you to notice something. Verse 14 also tells us the exact, the other part of that. Look what it says. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. Faith responds in obedience. It's not just that obedience is a test of faith. Faith now responds in obedience. And guess what happens? When they did what he said, and they didn't hesitate. They did not hesitate. When they did what he said, they turned around and immediately as they went to go, they were healed. They were healed. God acted in their life. So we see that from the healing. We see the key there is the faith issue. Am I going to re- faith and obedience is combined there. That's really important for you and I to understand. My faith is expressed by my obedience, but my obedience is because of my faith. So then I want you to notice the gratitude. Here's what happens. So as they go, look with me at verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Here's the issue. I want you to think about it. These folks had skin issues. We don't know exactly what their skin issues is because leprosy here in the Bible is pretty broad. It could be anything from extreme as Hansen's. So it's, it may be that some of these folks had lost limbs or digits, fingers or whatever. It may be that they're, you know, they're, whatever it is, whatever they had is something that was grotesque in their life. And as they turn and go and do what he says, Listen to this is traumatic. This is dramatic. Their flesh is made whole. Their flesh is made whole. Would that not be exciting to you? I mean, if you put yourself in their situation and you got something that is separating you from your family, from the community, I mean, you are like an outcast. You are not accepted by anybody because of your physical condition and all of a sudden because one guy told you to turn around and go to the to the priest as soon as you turn and you go you're healed your body is made whole aren't you excited i mean i'm i'm, I'm sure you're shouting only one guy comes back and gives thanks only one guy comes back and so here here's what we see is going on here It's possible to be blessed and ungrateful. Hear what I'm saying. It is possible to be blessed, to have God work in a wonderful way in your life, and you still be ungrateful. That's what the other nine were. I mean, it's just, it just blows, I mean, the, the case here is extreme. I mean, of anybody that should be thankful, it should have been those nine guys, right? I mean, because basically Jesus just handed them back their lives. I mean, think about it. Now they can go back and say, Hey, Mama, I'm whole. I'm back. Now they can party with their friends. Now they can enjoy life again. Life has been given back. I mean, literally, their lives have been given back to them. They've been blessed. But you know what? They're ungrateful. See, it's possible to be both. It is possible to be blessed, to have it, and to be totally ungrateful totally ungrateful and that's what we see here see we see that's going on here is that they're blessed and, 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 and they're ungrateful but what I want you to also notice about gratitude here is, is that giving thanks is the response of faith 
Giving thanks is a response of faith. Because here's what this guy does, the Samaritan guy. He comes and he look at what he does. And when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face and at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. The issue about faith is this. If I, if I trust him, if I, if I know what he tells me to do, and if I do what he tells me to do, in spite of the circumstances, the situations, the obstacles, and I do what he tells me to do, and as I do that, as I'm obedient, I experience God in my life. Here it's a healing. The natural response out of my faith, even when it doesn't go the way I think it should go, I give thanks. Remember I told you earlier that Job could give thanks even when he lost his family? Because we're like, well, how do you do that? Your faith. Your faith brings you to a place that even in spite of what's going on, God, I don't know why this is happening right now, but I give you thanks for who you are and that I have you. That comes out of faith. Because faith is trusting in Him in spite of what else is going on in your life. And you're able to give thanks. You're able to give thanks. But I want you to notice the astonishment because the fact that one comes back and nine don't, Jesus doesn't miss that. He, he takes note of that. And so I want you to notice with me, look with me, verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Look at eight, verse 18. Were not found any to return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Here's what's going on here. Jesus is bothered by the ungrateful heart. I mean, stop for a moment. Every one of you here, most of you raised your hand and said, I've cried out to God in my desperate situations. Okay. Think about it. When you got through it, did you really give thanks to him? Here, I'll ease your conscience a little bit. I can think of many times when I didn't. It wasn't even an afterthought. I just kind of got through it and I thought, glad that's over with. hope I don't have to go through that again. Never once ever thinking, Boy, Lord, you got me through that one. What is that? I was ungrateful. And here's the thing that I see in this passage that comes out that I've got to grasp that you've got to grasp. That bothers God. That bothers God. He is bothered when, when He is ready to bless us. But we're ungrateful. We're ungrateful. He's bothered by that. Here's the other thing I want you to see. Notice with me, verse 19. He says, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the, re- here's the reality. Because this faith he's talking about here is different than the faith that he talked about earlier, the faith that brought the healing. This is a different type of faith that brings a different type of healing. This is a wholeness healing of his whole being. It's talking about a salvation faith here. So saving faith expresses gratitude towards God. Just so you say... You know, George, I, I don't know that I could be thankful. Man, my life is terrible. Everything's not going right. Yeah, you may very well be true. But you still can be thankful. Why? Because he saved you. You can still be thankful because even though everything is going wrong right now, and it seems to be no end to it, there will be an end. And there will be something better. Isn't that awesome? Because, folks, if it wasn't for that, we'd have nothing. 
Everything else is meaningless. Saving faith expresses gratitude towards God. Here's how do we close this. Here's a couple things. Number one, what does your attitudes reveal about you? What do your attitudes reveal about you? Are you ungrateful? Oh, it's one thing to cry out to God when you're desperate. You know, they, they, the saying is true. There are, there are no atheists in foxholes. So when, when you're facing it, it, it's one thing to cry out to God and believe that you are. Oh, I have faith. I need you, Jesus. Okay, but when you get through it, what's your attitude then? What, what do your attitudes reveal about you? Where are you at? What does it say about your life? About who would you believe in God? Here's the other thing. Does your faith express itself? Does your faith express itself? Do you take what he says in his word, and even if it seems totally contrary to what is common sense or what the world's doing, are you going to step out of faith and do it, trusting in him? Or do you not do anything? Is your faith just meaningless words? Or does it express itself in obedience? Does it express itself in thanksgiving? And then finally, here's your action point. Ponder your salvation and respond appropriately. When is the last time you really sat down I mean, I did this this week. When is the last time you really thought about you coming to Jesus Christ and what that meant for your life and how it changed you? I did that this week. I did that this week. I, I was sitting in my office and uh, I just had a conversation with someone and I was reminded of my past, my childhood, my family where I came from and I'm very clearly realized that where I am now and what I have it's all because of you Jesus and what you spared me from it's all because of you Jesus thank you Jesus and what he brought me through thank you Jesus and the hope that I have for the future. Thank you, Jesus. Did you see what I'm saying? When's the last time you really just... I mean, turn, the, turn, turn your show off. Set, the, set your DVR, or, or your, your, if you're still using the VHS, your VHS recorder to record your show. If it's a rerun, just wait. It'll come back on. And, and, and maybe turn the radio off when you're going to work. But, but really sit there and think about he saved you. You were going to hell. And He had mercy on you. And He saved you. And let that sink in. And then let it come out of you naturally. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.